What happened? Obviously, that's the name of Hillary Clinton's book about the 2016 election and all the things that happens leading up to her losing. But we could ask the same question about the political leanings of Long Island, a pretty good stand-in for suburban America. Take the two districts we've focused on in this podcast. Hi again from Newsday Opinion, this is Mark Chisano, and you're listening to The Bellwether, which follows two Republican incumbents and their Democratic challengers in key Long Island congressional races. The two districts are mostly in Suffolk County, to the east. Overall, these are sort of swing districts with a conservative bent, but if you drill down, they include some rural agricultural areas, as well as some playgrounds of the super wealthy. In general, Republican and Democratic presidential candidates tend to be separated by single digits in these two. President Barack Obama, for example, won twice, narrowly, in 2008 and 2012. Then, both districts flip all the way to Donald Trump. In Peter King's district, which includes some of the commuter suburb of Nassau County, Trump won bigly by around 10%. In Lee Zeldin's district, it was 12. What happened? Oh, and to make things more complicated, you should know that recent polls, public and private, find Donald Trump losing popularity in Zeldin's district. Zeldin has allied himself closely with the president. Could that backfire, even though he won the district just two years ago by 16 points, but now seems to be leading by single digits or so? What's happening? Here are two theories about what happened in Suffolk County and how it went so heavily for Trump. Here's the first. What might make a voter go from Obama to Trump? Suffolk Democratic County leader Rich Schaefer took a look at places that shifted. It's all economic. All economic. Schaefer has a reputation for being very in tune with the local issues on the south shore of Long Island. He's the kind of guy who gives out his cell phone number to constituents. We asked Schaefer for a tour of some of the places that shifted from Obama to Trump. Mastic Shirley, which has a high individual poverty rate and is Lee Zeldin's home territory. Still not recovered from 2008. Doesn't feel that anybody pays attention to them. And um, they voted for Obama and they voted for Trump, strongly. Lindenhurst. Which got whacked by Sandy. Still recovering. Blue collar, you know, union, strong union, membership, public service, building construction trades, and they went for Obama, and they went for Trump. He said Trump tapped into the drain the swamp mentality, and Obama had a related message, hope and change. Both resonated with people on an economic level. You always have to get back, and it's a mantra that I use here to my uh, staff in the town of Babylon, is always, when you're making decisions, always think about what Mrs. D'Amico on West 7th Street in Deer Park is thinking. What is she thinking at her kitchen table when she's looking at the bills, when she's trying to keep the household afloat? What's Mr. D'Amico thinking? So think of the average person. And so I think Trump did that. And Obama, you know, did that as well. The Mr. and Mrs. D'Amico thing is popular for Long Island Democrats. Model middle-class white ethnics who are kind of middle of the road. U.S. Senate minority leader Chuck Schumer has his own imaginary Americans. His version was the O'Reillys, who he eventually renamed the Baileys. The kind of people who worry about the Islanders, that's a hockey team, and property taxes. Of course, there were some racial tensions that Trump tapped into as well, Schaefer said. People who reacted to eight years of the first black president. On Long Island, KKK flyers have sporadically been found in places like Hampton Bays, Shirley, and Rockville Center. But there were real enduring economic issues too, 
And something did change. Here's how State Assemblyman Fred Thiel put it in his endorsement interview with the Newsday editorial board this year. You know, this congressional district, it's a swing district, but it changed after 2008. It is not, you know, I don't know whether it's the economy, you know, what happened after the recession. Thiel is a Republican who left the party and now caucuses with Democrats and represents a piece of the district, including some of the upscale oceanfront communities close to where Zeldin's challenger lives. That's former commercial real estate lender Perry Gershon, just to remind you, who now lives in East Hampton. But Thiel's point is that most of the district is very much not the Hamptons. You know, people ask me about the district, and I say, well, when you think of this part of Long Island, and I live in a bubble out, <laughs> out in the Hamptons, kind of different than the rest of the district, but the rest of the district is, think of Western Pennsylvania, think of Ohio, think of Michigan, you know, uh, it's not st- it wasn't steel, it wasn't cars, it wasn't uh, coal. It was the defense industry and aerospace, and those jobs went away. They didn't come back. Again, a lot of economic issues that maybe made people go for Trump, or at least change. This is Suffolk County, not New York City, which in many corners rebounded from the recession. You can see how people would want change twice. This is a little piece of the big debate that went on, you might remember, during and after the 2016 election. How much were voters motivated by racial tensions and their various issues with Hillary Clinton versus economic? Some of the extrapolations about Milltown's closing and therefore Trump proved to tell only a part of the story, with many supporters turning out to be middle class or well off. But in specific areas, like parts of Long Island, the economy remained an issue, and the argument is that that's why some election districts solidly flipped. Then there's this argument, which involves going back in time a little. I asked for old-timey music here. It was kind of hard to find, but you get the idea. To help set the scene, let's go back to GOP State Party Chair Ed Cox. Remember Ed Cox? He helped give our podcast its name in the first episode. I, I was born on Long Island, uh, yep, uh, and uh, we still have our family home out there that was built in 1870. Nice old chestnut wood. Uh, let me tell you, I scraped a lot of it to clean it up. It is hard to scrape. That's good hardwood, and you can't get any longer. That's our family home out there. Cox is describing his family home in West Hampton Beach in the 50s and 60s. Politics back there, Otis Pike, interestingly, was the... Uh, was the uh, a Democratic Princeton uh, graduate, which is strange back then, uh, that a Democrat in a very one of the foremost Republican counties in the, in the, in the country uh, in the 50s, uh, that a Democrat who was sort of an elitist from Princeton would be the would be the member of Congress. Otis Pike, according to my father, won because he was arrested by the game warden for corning, shooting over uh, corned water, if you know what that is. No, what is that? Okay, uh, it, it means you put corn in the water, okay. and you, right in front of your duck blind, and the ducks fly, and they see this, and they settle in, and of course you collect, I mean, right, uh, you collect uh, the, yeah, a lot of ducks, you take them home and eat them. The game warden was flying over in his seaplane and saw this yellow stuff and said, Lyndon, now look, I don't know if it's pocketful or not, but the fact is he got arrested for uh, illegally hunting ducks and that made him a local guy and he won the race. That's, uh, that's the story. 
Otis Pike was the longtime bow tie wearing congressman from Suffolk County, a Marine pilot famous for once giving a speech in which he imitated an airplane to make fun of a bill that would give flight pay to admirals and generals. By the way, that duck hunting story and arrest is totally real. Pike was ultimately acquitted. Anyway, it's a good example of politics as usual in Suffolk County. The county has generally been seen as Republican or at least conservative, but a Democrat could win congressional office, and has, by being a sort of pragmatic local. Otis Pike came up in a conversation with Brian Irwin, a native Long Islander and political veteran, now executive director of Taking Action Suffolk County, or TASC. TASC is a new super PAC that supports Democrats. Irwin was joking that some of the political dynamics in Suffolk County have been pretty similar since Pike was in office and shooting ducks. For that reason, Irwin and his new super PAC have their own theory about why the county went so heavily and so shockingly from Obama to Trump. When you look at, at violent shifts in the electorate, it's usually because there's been a big migration pattern, you know, in one way or the other, a, a group that, uh, or a demographic change, a group that voted one way um, either has gotten older and passed away. So think about kind of your um, prairie populace in the upper Northwest, right? As they passed away, the upper Northwest got more and more red, right? Or, mm-hmm. or you think about, a, a, you know, uh, uh, you think about some of the people like uh, um, uh, more progressive people moving to the Pacific Northwest over time and Washington and Oregon going from swing states to now solidly blue states. Well, when looking at Suffolk County, we didn't have any of those changes. For for uh, uh, for better or for worse, our demographics have been pretty stable. And if anything, if they've changed, just very slightly around the edge, it's become just very slightly a little bit more uh, democratic. You can see that shift to slightly more democratic in voter registration data. The registration in Suffolk County has trended from solid but not blowout Republican to generally more democratic, so that by April 2018, Active registered Democrats are almost equivalent to the number of Republicans and conservative party voters combined. There's still a lot of blanks you can go either way, but not exactly what you'd expect for Trump country. What Irwin thinks happened is that some Democratic voters have recently not been particularly engaged or energized by the Democratic Party. I feel that what happened here is a microcosm which happened across the country. That we, um... Democrats in general are very, very good at knocking on doors on October 25th and asking for your vote. But some of those times when I've knocked on a door, you get the you get the question of, well, where the hell have you guys been? Right. Um, you know, I'm in trouble and now you're showing up and now you want my help. Well, I've needed help for the last two years. Where have you been? And are you going to show up on January 5th and knock my door? And, uh, you know, where are you guys going to be? And that is a very, very fair criticism. Some numbers indicate that something strange certainly happened leading up to 2016. In 2014, Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo lost Suffolk County after winning big the time before. And Lee Zeldin beat the incumbent Democrat, Tim Bishop, who faced lingering questions from a probe into his campaign fundraising. Zeldin won that year with fewer votes than the Republican who had lost to Bishop in 2010, which was another midterm election. So to rev up turnout among Democrats, task has been canvassing for months, sometimes not even mentioning candidates, just asking people what they can use from their party and hoping that they're given a reason to come out in November. If you buy the new super PAC's missing voter theory, 
you might see a very clear, though very narrow, path to victory for Democrats in Suffolk County. If you follow this theory, the county didn't change wholesale from swing to hard Trumpy Republican. Instead, some Democrats just needed something to energize them, and they found that with Trump. Some polls from Task and the Gershon campaign bear this out, showing that Trump may be dipping in popularity. The only public poll done by the New York Times and Siena College had Trump with his neck just above water at 51% approval. And that same poll also found that more people wanted their representative to be a check on Trump rather than support him. The economic argument about why the district went Trump in the first place could work here too. Democratic County boss Schaefer says that he sees some people getting tired of the Trump show. And though the economy is improving, they don't see it in their own lives. There's still issues with health care, high taxes. Maybe Trump wasn't the way to go after all. If all that is true, then Lee Zeldin might be in trouble. If there's a complaint about Zeldin, it's why did he wrap his arms so tight around Trump instead of being, you know, quite frankly, being more like Peter King. This is Fred Thiel again, the assemblyman in Zeldin's district. You know, he's kind of, you know, uh, attached himself to Trump like a barnacle on the hull of the Titanic. Like a... Barnacle on the hull of the Titanic. Evocative. You'll notice Thiel compares Zeldin's ties to Trump with King's. Both were slow to endorse Trump. Once Trump was elected... The congressmen have often voted with him, except on issues that are no-goes for New York, like the 2017 tax bill. But their styles are a little different. Both voted to repeal health care, for example, but then King came out and made a big deal about saying the Senate bill was bad, getting praise for a sort of bipartisanship. A Zeldin spokeswoman didn't remember Zeldin doing that. Zeldin has danced around criticism of Trump on issues like Trump's denigration of African nations and the Charlottesville rally. He also sponsored a resolution calling for a new special counsel. It was supposed to investigate the investigation of Clinton's emails. And he has rallied with controversial former Trump aides like Sebastian Gorka and Steve Bannon and received Trump's endorsement. So if the district had never really been truly Trumpland and is now souring on Trump, that's probably not great news for Zeldin. But there's also reason to think a potential Trump backlash might not be big enough in Suffolk, that many voters are still all right with him. There's the fact that most of those polls we've cited are from Democratic operations, and some corners of Suffolk County don't show any unhappiness with Trump. Actually, the opposite. Zeldin did a meet and greet in a private house in Patchogue earlier in October. He started off with local issues and talked for long stretches about things like dredging Marich's Inlet, But when the questions started coming, most were about national, Trump-related issues. One attendee said that Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh had been tarnished in the nomination process. He wanted to know, quote, when's the GOP going to take the gloves off? And he was concerned that Republicans couldn't show up in public. Other attendees complained about the media, which they portrayed as biased against Trump. Firm Republicans were probably always going to feel similarly about these issues. But Trump's work in office may resonate in Suffolk County in a way that could retain enough of these swayable voters. I talked to Suffolk County GOP Chair John J. Laval about this one day this summer. Laval argued that Trump had delivered for Long Islanders by coming here and focusing on the MS-13 gang issue, which affects many Hispanic voters and could convince them to go red, plus immigration. He's delivered on everything. Can you walk me through a couple of 
whatever it is you name it. I mean, immigration. Course, I mean, yes, the the first thing he did is he announced that we were, they were going to crack down on immigration. And truthfully, uh, a lot of the immigrants got the message and stopped coming. Even without any legislation being put into effect, they knew that this president was not going to welcome them here if they were going to come illegally. As you can see, Laval is hardly running away from Trump. He was one of Trump's big supporters in New York early on, and in his office he has a humidor shaped as the Capitol building to hold cigars. On the top of the humidor, that day anyway, was a Make America Great Again hat. Then you look at the economy. Uh, he's been amazing for the economy. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. In fact, the reason why the Democrats are all crying about uh, issues that are not relevant, whether they want to talk about, <clears throat> you know, uh, uh, what's her name, uh, Stormy Daniels and everything else. Why? Because they can't talk about the economy. Mm -hmm. This president has America working again. We put the question to Zeldin when he came in for his endorsement interview. Will you rise or will you fall with Donald Trump? Zeldin said he's not overconfident and he's working hard, but he expects to win. Because of the right-leaning district, for one, but also because he dodged a bullet in terms of his opponent. Gershon, who has houses in Manhattan and East Hampton, dispatched county legislator Kate Browning, a homegrown candidate and former school bus driver and union member. I think this year, in 2018, uh, I think that the, elect the electorate would be more inclined if they had to pick between a woman and a man that they'd vote for a woman. But then he considered the country at large. The country? I would say that that's the biggest factor. As far as control of the House... These races that are 48, 48, 47, 47, and there are a lot of them. There are like dozens of races within the margin of error. Um, I think that maybe even something that we don't know between now and November 6th, uh, something can happen in the world that can, you know, that, that can flip things one way or the other. And the president can, can say things, but uh, that can flip things one way or the other. But I think that would be, that would be the biggest predictable variable as far as control of the House in total. Basically, the president is a wild card. And the most intricate arguments about voters and how decisively or not they've switched over to Trump could be muddied with a random tweet. Here's Assemblyman Thiel to close us out. People ask me, well, what's going to happen? I said, tell me what's on the front page of Newsday the last two weeks of October, and I'll tell you. I mean, I've never seen a, a political climate that's as volatile as this. 